How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I loved them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. I wonder whether we bury Christ or carry him into the world. We're looking at the theme of talents today in the scriptures. You might ask the talent that we have, what is it? What do we invest in? What is our, our treasure that we'll put ourselves into and invest time and energy into? Last week I was at a presentation at the Christian Healthcare Center in Wyckoff, and most of the all of the participants except me are not Catholic ministers, men and women, but not Catholic. And there, there was a presentation by five ministers who took various times a trip to Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. It's called the Real Camino, the, the sacred walk. The Camino is a walk, it's a journey, a pilgrimage. So people throughout the centuries have come from all over Europe the Holy Land is one special place, Rome is another, and Compostela was the third of the major pilgrim sites. And if you look at the map of Spain, you'll see the roads, the Camino, coming from all different directions, going to Compostela. So the, the ministers shared with us their, their interest and their, how they were affected by it, and, and what and was interesting hearing these words, I mean, you know, I don't want to be greedy, but you know, that's our place. You know, we're, we're the Catholics. We've done pilgrimages since uh, who knows when. Um, and it was interesting hearing this coming from non-Catholics, but very reverential and very uh, spiritual and very, um, very Christian in their presentation. So looking at the, at the scriptures today, I look at, at them as an investment. What do we invest ourselves into today? And, and what are we work, working toward? What's our, our focus? The focus of the missionaries and the pilgrims, I should say, was, of course, Compostela, the, the great cathedral there. But in our lives, what's our focus? What are we going toward? What is our destination? Because each of us has a journey. We're all on a journey of one sort or another. And at times we need to pause and stop and ask, is my destination... God-related. I mean, we all have little journeys. You get up in the morning, you go to the kitchen. You get up in the morning and after breakfast, you go to work, or you take care of the house, or you bring the kids to school, or if you are children, you go to school. So everybody has those little journeys or, or every day of our lives. But the destiny, the full destiny, what is it? 
And if we have a journey in mind, and we have a talent given to us by God, because we're, we're made in God's image, what do we do with that talent? That's why I asked the question as, as I opened the reflection today is, do we bury it like that third servant, you want to say? It's a parable. He buried that one talent he had. Talent is not like the ability to sing or dance or, or do anything else. Talent, from the scriptures, perspective and the time of Jesus was a large amount of money. We don't know how much, but a large amount. So one gets five, one gets three, one gets one, but the one with one goes off and buries it, as we heard. Now, how to live appreciating the talent we have from God? And you know what? The one talent that all of us have, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, and what stage of life you're at, Every one of us has the one talent given to us by God, and that is love. The ability to love. So let's use that as our talent today. And, and I want to paraphrase the reading from the Old Testament, from the book of pa Proverbs, using the concept of what a Christian should do with his or her talents. So let's go back to the book of Proverbs. I know it, it was really focused on uh, the, uh, the good wife, the, the good wife and mother. A little, little uh, chauvinistic. It's written by a man, probably, and telling us what a good wife and good woman is, but it doesn't say what I should be as the husband or father. So let's go back and let's change the scriptures, paraphrase them. When one finds a worthy Christian, that person's value is beyond pearls his or her neighbors, entrusting their hearts to one another as an unfailing prize, love. The Christian brings good and not evil every day of his or her life. The Christian works, whatever job they have, works with loving hands, and the Christian places himself at the disposal of others, reaching out to the poor, extending his arms to the needy. Charm and possessiveness is deceptive and beauty fleeting. But the Christian who fears the Lord and fears not like I'm afraid of God, but holds God in great respect, holds God in awe. The Christian who fears and respects God is to be praised Give him or her a reward for their labors and let people praise them in the city and in the towns in which they live. Now that puts a little bit of a different twist on the talents that we all have as Christians, on how to use those talents, whether it's like this season, collecting, and it's very impressive to see the number of bags and boxes of food gathered at the doors, and the clothing drive being conducted by the knights. But this is our, our Christian value, is to do this every day. To be loving, to be reaching out, to be entrusting our hearts to one another, and entrusting our hearts to those that love us and that we love. Now we go into the family situation. To entrust our hearts to one another, and we receive it back by entrusting our love to our children, our spouses, our parents, our relatives. 
And again, another great example is going to come Thursday when we sit down at various tables for Thanksgiving. Some with just friends, some with family and friends, some with a mixed combo, some even maybe alone. But it doesn't matter. We're entrusting ourselves to one another, and if we say a, a word of grace, if we say a word of thanks, we're entrusting our hearts to God. Now, what happens when we do that? Well, if we use the imagery of the talents today, when you love, you get it back. When we love and we invest our love in people, don't look for it. That's not what this is all about. It's one way. When we love others, when we invest our love in the people that God has put, put around us, in, in, in our own abilities, now we can go into the talents that we, we, how we use the word commonly, in our abilities, whether it's to sing or perform or evangelize or read or, or serve in the kitchen or, or serve food or collect food, as we are using our talents of love and giving them away, we're getting it back. And that's the advantage of love. And, and you know there are those people who don't know love and don't want to have anything to do with love. Right? And they don't get it back. And they don't see it when it's out there because they're focused only on their selfishness. Again, we'll be hearing this in the next few weeks, the story of Scrooge. We all know the story. But what's, what's the main focus of not Charles Dickens, but Scrooge's character? He knew love, and he lost it, and he never went back to it, and he went into his own misery and his own world, and he didn't know love. He couldn't share it, even when the ghosts brought him to different occasions of his own life and, and the contemporary life he was living. He couldn't see love. It wasn't for him. If you don't give it, you're not going to get it. If you don't love someone, even one, and you don't know what the experience of love is, you're screwed, basically. Scrooged, I should say. Oh, I should say Scrooged. That's good. Well, both work, though, right? I mean, God has given us that ability. He gives us his son. What, what's that all about? Love in the flesh. And if we don't share that love that we all have, that's the talent we have. And can you measure it? You can't measure it. A lot of love, little love. If it's love, it's love. It's alive and it's well and it, and it reaches out to people, whether it's in our own little family circle, our neighborhood, or beyond our borders, to the migrants, to those who are hungry, to the people in this whatever town or urban situation that we're, we're going to, to feed them and to bring food and clothing. And it's so simple but yet, sometimes it misses. It goes right over our head. And we miss the talent that we have to love and to reach out. So, by not sharing our love, I think we're burying Christ. We're burying the, the heart of love. By not sharing it, we're saying, no, it doesn't exist. Another thing the ministers mentioned one of them especially is very interesting. He said, when we finally got to Il, Santiago de Compostela, he said, I, you know, we, there's, a, there's a tradition, you go behind the altar, and there's the effigy of St. Saint, Saint James, Santiago St. James, the apostle who 
who evangelized that area of the world. You touch the, the image, he says, and, and it's funny, he says, because I know Catholics do this, but for a Protestant to touch the relics of a saint, he says, but it was an experience I would never give up. And then the most beautiful thing happened at the end of the Mass. The bishop came down and spoke to people, and people coming over to him. Again, think of, think of this in terms of love. Yeah. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should, too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, Cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals. 